Merry Christmas to you all. As we are celebrating Christmas, Lord's Day, we are again reminded of the true purpose of Christmas. Christmas is about celebrating the first advent of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came as a baby, and now we have life in him. From the very beginning, his identity has been and still is a mystery to many some say that he was a prophet. He was a mere rabbi or teacher. He was, he was a revolutionary. And recently, probably since 2020, when all this political instability happened in our nation, some say that Jesus was a protester against the oppressor of society. However, even to us Christians, still his identity and his being is a mystery. Not in terms of negative sense, but in terms of divine mystery. The incarnation of divine. The word became flesh. God becoming a man. Surely his birth in 2,000 years ago was a divine mystery. But did you know that the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ was already planned and even prophesied from the beginning? The story of Jesus saturates the mega, a meta narrative of the Bible. And the prophecies of his first advent are found throughout the Old Testament. And there are various views on this, but there are about as many as 574 verses in the Old Testament some up point to and describe the coming Messiah in his birth, life, ministry, death, and resurrection, and even the final judgment to come. And conservatively, the Jesus fulfilled about 300 prophecies in his earthly ministry. So more and more you delve into the Scripture, Old and the New Testament, both, the more you realize that there are divine supernatural components that prove the Bible is surely the divine Word of God. Amen. And the center of this divine truth, the Scripture, there is Jesus Christ. And amongst various messianic prophecies in the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah as we read today, prophesies about Christmas, 700 years before that the first Christmas. 700 years before. If you look at Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, he prophet Isaiah said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call him Emmanuel, God with us. And today we read in chapter 9, verse 6, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. What a powerful statement. For to us a child is born. We all know baby Jesus. But notice, unto us a son is given. Interesting. It did not say the son was born to us, but the son was given to us. Son. That points to Jesus' divine nature, my brothers and sisters. 
He is the very God Himself, the Son, the second person of the Holy Trinity. He is given to us as a gift to us and for us. For unto a child is born human nature of Christ. He is a human being. He was born as a human. And unto us a son is given. His divine nature, the second person of the Trinity, is given to the humanity. Amazing, isn't it? Jesus is a union of humanity and divinity. He is both human and God at the same time. Jesus is revealed in the God, revealed in the flesh. And the prophet Isaiah continues to give four titles for this divine human being. By the way, Isaiah, when he was writing this 700 prior to Christ, he did not know who that person will be. He did not know his person's name will be Jesus. He didn't know anything. He just received the prophetic words and he wrote it down. And that's what happened. But in retrospect, from our perspective, we know clearly he is talking about Jesus Christ. That is the amazing things about studying the Old Testament, looking at the prophecies concerning Christ. And Isaiah, not knowing who this person is, at least he gives the four descriptions about this person, the Messiah, the baby, uh, the, the, baby the, the, the son, the, the divine human being. And when you look at those things, those four titles or four descriptions, we can surely learn Jesus' identity and ministry. So let us look into it and see and learn and know who our Lord Jesus is to us and to the world. First, Jesus is the wonderful counselor, he says. This baby is called wonderful counselor. I think it is a very appropriate adjective to describe the counselor. Wonderful. Why wonderful? Well, he is a true wonder. Not just this or that is wonderful or amazing about him, but Jesus himself is a wonder. His person is a wonder. He's a child who was born for us, that the son who was given for us, that glorious union of the hum, divine and the human to be our savior. His very being is a mystery. His very being is a wonder. That's why we call him wonderful. It's beyond our comprehension and beyond apprehension. He is God, yet he is human at the same time. He's a wonder. His very being is a wonder to the point where all the angels till this day and forevermore, they are still in awe and wonder to see Christ being God at the same time, being human. He's wonderful. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, Jesus is wonderful. Now the Isaiah continues. He said, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. 
The title Wonderful Counselor actually describes a king whose counsel is wise. King who rules and reigns in full of wisdom. The Isaiah actually talks more about the, the kingship of the Messiah Jesus in Isaiah chapter 11. Historically, the wisdom of the counsel of the King Jesus stands in stark contrast with unwise counsel of the foolish kings of Israel. For those who know the history of Israel, at least the biblical history of Israel, you know that king after kings, foolish kings after foolish. So Isaiah says that the when this Messiah King comes, he's going to rule and reign unlike any other kings ruled and reigned in the history of Israel. At least that's his historical context he's speaking this. This king rules and reigns in, as 100% good, full of divine wisdom. Psalmist said this, a king whose counsel is always wise, a king who is just in all his ways and kind in all his doings. Psalm 145, verse 17. Jeremiah also speaks of the wisdom of this coming king, the Messiah king. In Jeremiah 23, verse 5, he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I shall, when I will raise up a David, meaning the Messiah, the descendant of David, a righteous branch, I will reign, and he will reign as a king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness from then and on and forevermore. So King Jesus reigns in wisdom, and he shall be called their wonderful counselor. In verse 6, Isaiah chapter 9, as we read, what? The government will be upon his shoulder. He's in charge, reigning over the events of the world. He rules the world with the truth and grace. He is the wonderful counselor. Unlike the foolish king, earthly kings or, or the government's officials who provide ungodly counsel. It seems like that's exactly what, what is also happening in our nation today. The foolishness, wickedness is prevalent. But Jesus not only gives a good counsel, but he himself is the embodiment of the counsel. He's not, the, he's not an earthly ruler who needs a team of counselors or the people who advisors around him. No, he himself is the wonderful counselor. You know what that means? That means we can truly trust him. We can trust that the King Jesus will never lead you astray, will always do what is right in your life. That means that no matter what is happening with his wonderful, as a wonderful counselor, he will and he will be in control of this world. And the events of our lives are often shrouded in clouds of darkness, maybe, we don't always understand why those things are happening in our lives. But we can truly trust our wonderful counselor who knows what is going on. He got the whole world in his hands. Amen.
And he rules the world with truth and grace. In Jesus, he is a wonderful counselor. You can clearly see Prophet Isaiah is describing his kingship. Jesus is our king, the wonderful counselor. Amen? Now, secondly, he describes him as the mighty God. Jesus is our mighty God. His name shall be called mighty God. Just think about it for a moment. Mighty God. More literal way that is translated is in this way. God who is a mighty, mighty one. Mighty men. The word mighty men is actually mighty one. Is actually military term. It refers to the one who goes out to fight and wins the battle. The mighty warrior of valor. That's what it means. Mighty one. Mighty God. Mighty God. The one who goes out in the fight. And it is Jesus, that mighty man of God, the warrior, who by his birth of the virgin in Bethlehem now visibly enters the battle to fight against the devil and his, and his, his followers and will conquer him by his holy life and suffering and death and the resurrection. The Jesus is the mighty God, the warrior God who goes out and fights. The mighty God who is a warrior. Isaiah sees the works of Jesus. What, what would Jesus will do? Jesus would fight and defeat the devil. Defeat sin. And the greatest enemy of all. Death. He will defeat. For all of us. For our salvation. No wonder Paul says in Romans 9.5. He says Christ came. Who is over all. The eternal blessed God. Titus 2.13, Paul refers to Christ as our great God and Savior who comes, the mighty God who comes and save us all. So Jesus Christ is an eternal Son of God who has taken on flesh. He's a divine Son of God who took on humanity. He's God and man at the same time. 100% God, 100% man who goes out and to fight for us. And he defeated sin and death and the devil's work. Now we can have life in Christ Jesus. You notice that I kept reminding you that Jesus is the 100% man, 100% God. Why is it so important, you might ask. And it is so important for all the Christians to believe very clearly that Jesus is a human being. And Jesus is also God at the same time. So he's 100% human, 100% God. He's a perfect human. He's a perfect God at the same time. Why? If you deny any other of those two components, one of these components, we know we are looking at the false Jesus. Most of the religions, they actually see Jesus as only a human being, not as a divine being. Some of the cults that you might face, they call themselves Christians, but they, don't, they actually deny the divinity of Christ. Some sectors deny the fleshly Christ and spiritualizes everything. No, the Bible is very clear, and we as a Christians must believe that Jesus, the Messiah, is 100% God and 100% man. Amen? Why is it so important? This is why it's important. Because to die for the sins of humanity, 
The Son of God needed, needed a human nature. He needed the body that nails could pierce. He needed the flesh that could be crucified so that he can actually replace a human beings. Also, as to die as the perfect righteous sinless substitute in our place, he had to be perfect righteous sinless divine nature. At the cross, the sins of believing Christians are ascribed to Christ, imputed upon Christ. And the righteousness of Christ now is imputed upon believing Christians. And that's how the beautiful exchange happened. We receive his life and salvation as we give our sins to him. The Bible says Jesus became sin for us. And die on the cross as a man, replacing all humanity, but as a perfect sacrifice, as God. That is why it is so important and vital to remember Jesus is God at the same time human. Amen? That is why Jesus is the only one that we can believe to receive the salvation. He's the only one. There is no other salvation Without Christ. The Bible says. The Bible says. The salvation is found. In no one else but Jesus Christ. And I don't care. What the people say. I don't care what other religion says. I don't care. Whoever says. Only way to God. Salvation. The eternal life. Is our Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other way. Say no other way. As our Lord Jesus himself says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amazing, isn't it? 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, and we might become the righteousness of God in him. You see how Jesus, the mighty God, as a warrior, went before us and fought the battle against the sin and death and the devil's work. And he achieved victory through his life, death, and resurrection. He is our mighty God who fights for us. He's our mighty one. He's the mighty man of God. He's the only one. Who is worthy to be called mighty God. Amen. That's Jesus Christ. So he is a wonderful counselor. He is a mighty God. What appropriate description. Thirdly, prophet Isaiah prophesies that the Messiah, Jesus to us, is our everlasting father. He is the everlasting father. You know what that literally means? If you actually look at the, the actual Hebrew words, it's basically that's what it means. Everlasting Father is a father of eternity. That's what it means, father of eternity. And Isaiah isn't here confusing the persons of the Trinity here, calling the Son the Father. No, that there are two distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons in Trinity. And he's not confusing us. 
to the Father is the Son. The same person. No, that's not what he's saying. Instead, this is a Hebrew way of speaking. If Jesus is the Father of eternity, he actually means that he is the author of eternity. He is the cause of the eternity. He is the Father of eternity, author of eternity. He is talking about God's divine nature as a creator. Do you see? Jesus is the everlasting Father, Father of eternity, the author of eternity. He is the creator. Just like the John later on writes what? Through him all things were made. Christ is God himself in the flesh. God, Jesus is the creator of the whole universe. Again, he's God. At the same time, he's human. When we look at Jesus, it's a mystery. How can this man be an almighty God? But that's what the Bible says. Again, divine mystery. He's talking about his create, create the divine nature as a creator. Jesus, though born in time or limited himself in history of the time, is actually eternal God, the second person of Trinity, the Son. So what is he? He is the everlasting Father, the Father and author of eternity. He is the one who produces for us and gives us eternal life. Isn't that what Jesus said in the Gospels? John chapter 10, verse 20. I give my people eternal life. See, you need to understand why Jesus was using this kind of language. Isaiah was talking about he's the author of eternity. Jesus comes and says, I give you eternal life. I give you eternity. Do you see the connection? Amazing, isn't it? To give eternal life is something only eternal God can do. So when Jesus said, whoever believes in me shall not perish but have eternal life, it means he is God. He is the father and author of eternity. And that's exactly 700 years prior to Jesus, Isaiah was prophesizing, prophesied Jesus, the Messiah, who is to come, he is the eternal Father. Amen? Everlasting Father. Amazing. He's in control. He's God. He's the creator. In end, he's the one who saves and gives eternal life. Another word, he gives the right to become the children of God to those who believe in Jesus. Isn't it amazing? I will give you eternal life. In, another, in other words, he said, I will give you the right to become a children of eternal God. C.F. Lewis said this, The Son of God became a man to enable men to become the sons of God so that we can have eternal life in eternal God who is Christ 
So when Jesus comes back, established and consummate his kingdom, guess what? We will be with him forever, for eternity, worshiping him as our king and Lord and God. And Jesus is our king. He is eternal father. Amen. Last but not least, he says, though Isaiah said, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Why is he Prince of Peace? He is to come to bring peace as light that shines in the darkness. He's going to bring all the defeat all the enemies and he will bring the perfect peace. And Jesus, this Messiah, is the only one who can give us the true meaning of peace. Now, when we say the Prince of Peace, the author of peace, the bringing, uh, bringer of the peace, how can Jesus bring peace? Well, first, he brings a peace between God and men, God and the people. Why? Without Christ, we are, not in, we are not in peace with God, my brothers and sisters. Without believing Jesus, we cannot have a peaceful relationship with God. Why? We are, if we are in sin. We were the enemy of God. God hater. By the way, sin is what we represent. Basically, sin is being away from God, being against God, being... That's what sin represents, rebellion or absence of God, absence of good, missing the mark. That's what sin means. We are the God-hater, the enemy of God. So after sin, after Adam and Eve fell into sin, Genesis chapter 3, whole humanity fell into sin. We all became the enemy of God. No wonder Satan can took over the world and rule over the humanity. But when Christ came, Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, Paul said this, through Christ to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. He's the one who brings peace between God and men as he offers the forgiveness of sin. As you are forgiven, we are no longer under the condemnation of sin and judgment. As we repent before the Lord in the name of Christ, holding on to the work of the cross that Christ has done, we can be forgiven. And as you are forgiven, we can have a peaceful relationship with God. We no longer become the enemy of God, but friend of God. We became, in fact, children of God. Amen. That's why he's the prince of peace. He brings peace between us and God. And the peace be with God becomes a foundational peace in our lives. 
As we have a peaceful relationship, as we have this amazing loving relationship with God, guess what? The Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of the one body we're called to peace and be thankful. Now we can live a peaceful life. Peaceful life does not mean that there will be no problems, no, you know, crisis, no, you know, hardships. No, that's not what it means. The peace that can only Christ can give you. The peace that this whole world, the fallen world can never understand. But the peace that knowing that the Christ is with you, knowing that no matter what happens to you, that your, your, your spirit is with Christ, you are redeemed by Christ, and your body, even your body will be resurrected at the end by Christ, and you will be with Christ forever. And no matter, no matter what you're going through in life, in this fallen world, the Christ is going through with you. Providing you the way, providing you the power, providing the enablement. That's imperfect. That's what perfect peace is all about. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 14, 24, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. It's not just temporarily thing. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. I shall be with you because I am the Prince of Peace. And I, my presence is with you. No matter what you go through in your life, you will experience peace in me. Amazing. What a timely and powerful promise for us to remember the, the, our Lord Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Amen? Because we're facing various crises in this world today. Social instability, cultural wars that we're engaging in today, and the political madness. We're just talking only our nation right now. Imagine the whole world. Times like this, we're going to be afraid. We're going to be scared. Oh, what's going to happen? No, Jesus said, peace I live with you because I am the prince of peace. The peace that I established between you and the Father God through the forgiveness on the cross, now you can experience, let my peace rule over you as you walk and navigate in this world. Trust him and be at peace. Amen? My brothers and sisters, our life is about experiencing God's peace in all circumstances. That is why God commands us, what? Be thankful. Always. In all circumstances, be joyful. Rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because you have peace in your heart. Why? Because the very presence of Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace, is with you. That's why he's called what? Prince of Peace. These are the titles of the Messiah Isaiah prophesied. He did not know who Jesus was. He knew the description of him. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor. He shall be called Mighty God who will defeat the enemy. He thought probably the enemy is just the, the you know, other nations surrounding Israel. But the God was talking about the enemy of men, humanity. What? Death. 
sin, the devil, and its work. He said he will be what? Everlasting God, everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. And I hope you see clearly, as we are the people of Jesus, in retrospect, we can clearly see how the Isaiah was describing Jesus in the New Testament. He's talking about Jesus, and we know that. Isaiah didn't know, but we know it. Jesus, in his birth, life, ministry, death, resurrection, he fulfilled the law and prophets. The Bible, the center theme, center figure of the Bible is Christ. The whole, whole Bible is talking about, whole history is talking about Christ. God saving the humanity from sin and death. From the hand of the devil through his son Jesus. That's what it is. He is the Messiah. Amen. He's the Savior. He's God. And I tell you, my brothers and sisters, as eternal Father, everlasting Father, He's alive today, fulfilling and will fulfill all the prophecies from the old as He comes back, as He will come back as an ultimate judge and King and Lord and our God. We're still waiting for Christ to fulfill every single thing that's written in the Bible. We're waiting for him right now. Now, prophet Isaiah didn't know who exactly who this person will be because obviously he did not know. But we know. But let me ask you this. You, do you know, really? Do you know who Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you, to your life? Maybe perhaps we know in our knowledge, in our information. But do you know from your heart? Do you receive the revelation? And knowing who God, Jesus is. And if you know, are you following him? Are you giving your life? Are you giving, giving it all to worship him, to honor him, to follow his ways? Perhaps we say, oh, I know Christ. He's the wonderful counselor, almighty God, everlasting father. He is. I understand. He's a prince of peace. But do you know in your heart? Do you know in your daily life? Do you experience him? Jesus as your God. Jesus as a wonderful counselor. Jesus as a mighty God. Jesus as you fill in the blank. Do you believe? Do you experience that in your life now? Yes, Jesus will return one day and he will save us all from this mess. Yes, great. What about right now in the present? Do you know him? 
On this Christmas day, do you really know him? Are you celebrating him? Or are you just looking forward to have great food and fellowship and with people and receiving gifts? At the same time, it comes the challenge that we need to know him. And know, when I say to know, I'm talking about experiential knowledge. Do you know who Jesus is? Do you experience Jesus in this way every day in your life? Is he mighty God to you? Is he everlasting father? Is he prince of peace? Is he the wonderful counselor? We need to check our hearts, my brothers and sisters. That's what the Christmas is all about. We remind ourselves who Jesus is, why he came. And we reflect our hearts and say, do I know Jesus? Do I follow Jesus? Do, do I have this relationship with Christ? And it is my prayer that you will know him as he knows you. He will know him as your Savior, as your God, as your Lord. Let's pray.